Hello, hello, and welcome to Non-Technical, where I, your host, Alexis Gay, interview influential folks from tech, media, business, and beyond about everything except their resumes. Today on the pod, I'm so excited to say we have Daniel Lipman, a reporter covering the White House and Washington at Politico. Though he's done a lot of other super impressive, really interesting things prior to that, which admittedly, I'm not going to ask him that much about. Dan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to have you. Are you ready to dive in? I'm ready to dive in. Hell yeah, let's do it. This episode of Non-Technical is brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Hell yeah, you heard that right. It's a summer Bets blockbuster, baby. The return of Bets Recruiting. Two bets, two furious. Tagline, this time all bets are on. I'm so happy to have Bets Recruiting back as a sponsor of Non-Technical. Not only is Bets Recruiting the only recruiting firm by recruiters for recruiters, but they've been trusted for more than a decade to build out sales, marketing, and customer success teams. More than a decade. Name one company that's been around for more than a decade. That's right, it's Bets Recruiting. In that time, Bets has partnered with thousands of tech companies, helped build 30 plus unicorns, and supported tens of thousands of people along their career trajectory. If you're hiring go-to-market talent or you are go-to-market talent, check out betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. I bet you won't be disappointed. Bets, you can have that catchphrase if you want. That one's on the house. Daniel Lippman is a reporter covering the White House and Washington for Politico. He was previously a co-author of Politico's playbook. Before joining Politico, he was a fellow covering environmental news for E&E Publishing and a reporter for the Wall Street Journal in New York. He's also interned for McClatchy Newspapers and Reuters. During a stint freelancing in 2013, he traveled to the Turkish-Syrian border to cover the impact of the Syrian civil war for the Huffington Post and CNN.com. He graduated from the Hotchkiss School in 2008 and from the George Washington University in 2012. Dan Lipman, welcome to Non-Technical. Thank you, Alexis. It's great to be here. What a treat. Okay, so, so much to unpack. But first of all, you and I know each other from, drumroll please, we went to high school together. Oh my God. (laughs) We were, you know, good friends then and been such a fan of yours and been able to see how you've done. And so it's just kind of gratifying that all these years later, we didn't completely fail in our lives. Yeah, isn't that nice? And it's, of course, a total mutual admiration society because I'm always like, oh my God, Dan Lippman, just writing important stuff for Politico constantly. It's so cool to see. I could not imagine that I would be doing what I, that I'm doing now when I was back in Hotchkiss, where I would be, you know, writing the White House with different questions. I never expected that the White House would get mad at me sometimes. They'd be happy with me. Yeah. different parties. That is really such a wild sentence. Like, oh yeah, the White House is mad at me. <laughs> you know, you can't please everyone. It probably means that I'm doing work that's relevant. Yes, that I, I don't think, think they would right. be arguing or attacking me if I wasn't doing things that made a difference. Totally. I was just thinking of if there would ever be a context where the White House was mad at me. And the only thing I can think of is if one day I host the White House Correspondence Dinner. <laughs> Here we go. Maybe in you know, 10 or 15, 20 years, I'll, yeah. I'll try to put in a good word. Yeah, start laying some foundation now. I'm ready for that gig. I'm so down. You have to watch all the different roasts that the comedians have done, like <laughs> Stephen Colbert of, of George W. Bush. That was a pretty classic That one. was incredible. Okay, I think I'm putting that out there into the universe. I'm manifesting that for us, that I host the dinner. You're, of course, in the audience. That would be so much fun. 
hopefully you don't make fun of me if I'm in, you know, the press store and you, they sometimes attack people who are in the audience. So no holds would, barred. Look, yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't, you know, I guess he can't make any promises, but just go easy on go me. Go easy. Okay. That I can promise you. And then the other cool thing is that what's funny about me interviewing you is that this is a total shoes on the other foot because you just interviewed me. I did. So I did a piece on all the comedians who are alumni superstars from Hotchkiss, uh, you know, centered around a, a couple classes all next to each other, basically. And so you were one of three people that I interviewed. And the article turned out really well. And it was, it looks well designed on the page. It of really does. You guys uh, doing stand up and you know, other photos of you. And so I was pretty proud of that piece. And it was nice to do something that was not just palace intrigue of the White House in Washington. Totally. Like the White House probably isn't going to get mad at you for that article. No. Yeah. I think, I don't think they know about the article. <laughs> maybe, maybe, they, maybe they should inject some comedy and levity and then uh, they would be more successful. Yeah. That might, that might help. Hey, White House, I, I'm open, baby. I'm ready. Yeah. The article is fantastic. My parents are very impressed. That's good. <laughs> So Dan, I'm super excited to have you on the pod. I want to start with this question. How did you spend your last day off? My last day off was spent at my family's home in Massachusetts. Mm -hmm. I would say this was a couple days ago during the Memorial Day weekend, which some of it I had to work on this story about black staffers leaving the White House. But I spent it enjoying our pool, playing croquet with my parents, going on a bike ride. Oh my gosh. Playing backgammon, playing ping pong. Oh my gosh. So this is pretty idyllic and reading. Yes. Idyllic Western Massachusetts vibes. Yeah. And so it was, it was pretty nice to just put away my phone, my work email, mm-hmm. and just, you know, relax and look at our nice garden. Seriously. <laughs> you know, remind me that not the whole world is not completely falling. Yeah, I think those moments are definitely important. I want to go back to the part where you said you play croquet. Yeah, I'm actually an expert croquet player. What? (laughs) Uh, In terms of, you know, useless skills. um, It's actually, I don't think it's useless. I I guarantee there's probably some champion league that I could join, but I think I'd have to really practice hard. I don't know if it's in the Olympics. And so I'd only want to do a sport if it would get me a medal that is not that actually hard to do uh, exertion. Like I love my life now. So why would I divert it to do something that I would likely fail at? (laughs) Okay. Hang on. Dan, the, the spectrum between not make it to the Olympics and win a gold medal and fail at is a wide spectrum. There are a number of outcomes between those two points. Yeah. But I always, you know, I try to live my life in terms of I want to be the best at something I know, uh, or not do it. And so maybe that, maybe I don't always choose the best restaurant or choose the best book or choose the best movie, but at least in my work and my personal life, that's kind of how I operate in terms of trying to be loyal to my friends and just live a life of integrity and honesty uh, in all aspects uh, of my life. How did croquet become a thing that you got really good at? Also, what does it mean to be really good at croquet? Uh, well, I actually only play a couple times a year. And so my, oh my dad God. is usually better. <laughs> I, you know, what do they say? The journalist line is, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. I've never played in a croquet tournament. I just, I was 
kind of buffing myself up, but I do love to play croquet. So if there are any listeners out there in the D.C. area who have access to a croquet court, and I think there actually is one in terms of a club in the suburbs of D.C., maybe in really? Maryland, that I would love to play it. And it's much more, what's interesting about the, that croquet field is that it's yeah. really trimmed. It's like a golf course. And our croquet is in our backyard on the lawn. Mm, and it's, okay. you know, sometimes the, the grass is pretty tall. And yeah. so the ball gets hidden. It's like a family tradition. And those are the best things in life. That's lovely. If I come back, I was in DC a couple months ago and I know we hung out, but if I come back soon, can we please go play croquet? We will find a way to play croquet. And it's okay. not, have you ever played croquet, Alexis? No. So it's like, I think golf is just so much more expensive and I find it kind of not the most scintillating mm-hmm. sport. And so I actually used to watch golf once in a while when I was in my, my teenage years. I had nothing yeah. better to do on a Sunday, but now <laughs> I have really barely swung a, a golf, you know, whatever it's called. But well, I do know my <laughs> way around the, you, you know, you have, there's mallets, there's wickets. Yep. So it's, it's actually pretty fun. Okay. I love it. That's amazing. That sounds like a really lovely day off. Yeah, it was, it was very relaxing and, you know, I was able to recharge and you don't get a ton of that in D.C. Yeah, I know. Same in New York. Is there a song that whenever you hear it takes you back in time? You know, since I read so much and I talk to people all the time, when I'm driving to work or just when I'm driving out and about, I listen to the Top 40 station mm-hmm. in D.C. called Hot 99.5. Okay. And just to kind of unplug my brain and to listen to whatever trashy songs there are. Yeah. And I'm always, of course, sad when they're in commercials, but uh, the song (laughs) that kind of stuck with me was a little bit, you know, was, I think was around when we were going to Hotchkiss, which was Mm. Usher's Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) I think there was one of our classmates, like Miles Radcliffe Turner, I think we we discussed Yeah a couple of times. I don't know. I don't know what my classmates felt about the song. But I think it was definitely played at like high school dances. And, of you course. Know, at, at Hotchkiss, the first dance is like the only good dance. There's like all the other dances kind of suck and like are not as good. I so. know. As a student body, not the most gifted in the ways of the school dance. <laughs> it's not that hard. Are you a bad dancer? <laughs> no. Are you a bad dancer? Well, I'm a, I'm a really good dancer, actually. I need to... Um, <laughs> my girlfriend and I should like go out plugging sometimes. You should. Kind of hair down. I haven't done that in a long time. Yeah, you definitely should. What's funny about the hot, the Hotchkiss, the first dance is that it was often in the student center. Yeah. And so they would pack like 500 kids in a pretty tight space. Yeah, and it's so not that big. You would get like all sweaty when you're dancing. You know, they'd have to open the doors and then the windows would fog up. That was a sure sign that they were trying to tell kids that even though you'll have to study hard a lot, you'll have study hall. They kind of restrict, you know, having visitors of the opposite sex into your uh, dorm room. Oh, yes. But at least you get one good dance at the start. Yeah. <laughs> you'll get a great education and you'll get one dance. Yeah, you get a great education and one dance. Yeah. Those rules about boys and girls intermingling, interdorm, what a time. Do you remember the three feet on the floor rule? Yeah, of course. I actually never had, it was pretty sad. I never had to sign in a... Uh, visitor from the opposite sex. <laughs> I don't know about you, but the, 
No, I mean, I had, I definitely had friends, like guy friends come over and check out my room, but sadly. <laughs> uh, the, they, you know, I think kids definitely violate that. Do you remember what night golfing was? Yeah. <laughs> can, do you want to, should I tell you, should I tell the, the good yeah, listeners? I think you can tell the listeners about night golf. <laughs> this is the uh, PG-13 story. So Hotchkiss <laughs> has its own golf course, which yeah, is and it's pretty beautiful. rare among most high schools Mm -hmm. and there's a nine hole golf course and because kids we had this rule about the you know restricting visitors if you were dating someone or just hooking up with someone or whatever people do people late at night would go to the golf course and proceed to hook up on one of the (laughs) greens and that was called night golfing night golfing (laughs) i guess i've heard that Sometimes couples would stumble upon another couple. I also heard that. On the golf green. Yeah. So they had to go from the first hole and the second hole. That's so funny. Can you imagine? You're just like, oh, excuse us. Can we play through? <laughs> yeah, I guess I have to like, you know, hopefully my future kids will have to have that conversation. I don't even want to tell them about night golfing. I think that's something you just have to learn. <laughs> I don't want to give them any, any ideas. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> the other thing about Hotchkiss dating culture that I remember vividly was walkbacks. Do you remember walk back? Oh, yeah, of course. I got okay. a, I got a, I got two walk backs. So like you ask so. someone to walk back or yeah, yeah, someone yeah. asked you, you. Okay. It was usually the guy. Yeah. It's usually, you know, maybe it's even more, maybe it's starting to be more, a little bit more of the girl now because everything is progressive, yeah. but yeah, that's how you, at the end of people's hangouts in the main building, if you like someone or if you were, you know, dating, starting to date someone, mm-hmm. you would ask them, Hey, can I walk you back? And then at the end, if you were lucky and when, when you were dropping them off, you might get a kiss. Yeah. Walking them back to their dorms from the yes. main building. Okay. So I remember very vividly that three walkbacks meant you were dating. I, that makes sense. It's like, you know, that kind of tracks with yeah. uh, what I remember too. Also, I never, I never, I never hit three to walk back. So. I never got walked back. Period. Oh my God. <laughs> uh, I was, guess it was the only, only the, uh, you know, the New York, girls and guys (laughs) (laughs) the gossip girl set a little bit yeah it it was not unfortunately that was not a part of my my hotchkiss experience devastating we're we're doing we're doing okay now (laughs) the people who got so many walkbacks in any high school or any version of walkbacks they're often the Mm. the people who are you know still reliving the glory days maybe at my 15 year reunion someone will walk me back you, you might when you, who knows, you know, you might be married by yeah, this. <laughs> I don't know. Things happen fast sometimes. Oh, so. God. My husband's just going to be like, wait, what? <laughs> yeah. The Hotchkiss reunions can be fun, too. Yeah, and so it's fun. like people try to generally kind of dance or hook up with people they were <laughs> they never missed out on their chance. They missed out on it. So it's you have play one, a little one, play one around in night chances. golf. I think they don't, I think they give us like dorm rooms. So yeah, I remember I stayed in Tinker for my five year, Just hilarious. Nice. Yeah. I remember I have a fun story about a Hotchkiss reunion. So I ran into a classmate of mine pointed out a guy who owned the Pittsburgh newspaper. Okay. The Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And he had just fired a, a cartoonist uh, for being too anti-Trump. Whoa. And so that created a big controversy. And no one had talked to the publisher and he, he was like in a class, maybe 35, 40 years older than us. Mm-hmm. And so at the lunch uh, outside near the science building, 
I just went up to him because my friend pointed him out. I was like, hey, are you John Block? And he was like, yeah. And he was with his like, you know, daughter, mm. much younger daughter. And I was like, oh, so I'm a reporter with Politico. Do you have like a minute, you know, have, you know happy reunion? Do you have a minute to... <laughs> Do you have a minute to chat for, you know, oh I want to get your side of the story. And he basically called the cartoonist not funny, too anti-Trump. Oh uh, he was he was too repetitive. And so I got a, and I had my recorder running and his daughter was kind of looking in fear because like she was almost saying, like, why are you talking to even this fellow alum? This is only going to lead to bad things. And so yeah. I got a great story out of it. Oh I transcribed God. it in my dorm room that they had put us up oh in. Oh my God. And I got, the story was on Drudge Report and my editors were happy. Oh and my God. So, you wow. know, you gotta, you gotta really like recognize that news can hit you in the face and you have to, you know, be, keep your eyes open at all turns. Wow, Dan, that's an incredible story. That's way better than getting a walk back at the reunion. Yeah. Oh my God, yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> and, you, and I got the, I know we're, we're not here to talk about work much, but in journalism, there's something called the dateline, which is hmm. where it says Washington, D.C. or New York, wherever yeah. the writer wrote the article, if it matters. And so I was proud to put in Lakeville, Connecticut. Oh, my God. That's really cool. You know, at a Hotchkiss reunion. And I was fair in the article. Yeah, but of course. It's just one of those things that I didn't walk into the reunion thinking, oh, yeah, I might run into this guy. I barely knew who that he was. That is so funny. Wow. That's great. Well, if you weren't doing what you do now professionally, what would you be doing? So I had originally thought I would be, when I was a kid, an ER doctor. Really? Because it's exciting and yeah. and that I could save lots of lives. My dad's a doctor. He's a psychiatrist. Mm. And I chose to not do that because I wasn't very good at biology. Okay. And it takes so long to go through yeah. med school. And you know you have to basically choose what your interests are. I also thought about being a lawyer, but then it's a lot of billing. And so yeah, yeah. couldn't be an actor because it's, you know, memorizing lines is not my strong suit. Although I think probably a lot of actors struggle with that. And all you, you know, unless it's a long monologue, mm-hmm. most scenes are only like a few lines. And so they can just, would like, you have wanted to be an actor if you were better at memorization? Maybe, but I think I kind of like to reveal the facts yeah. and to not live in a fantasy world, which I love movies. I love TV totally, shows. Totally. But I am all about uncovering the truth. And so mm-hmm. unless you're like a David Attenborough for the those nature documentaries, <laughs> right. which I don't think I have the voice for, I think I was not going to be a, a, a Hollywood star. <laughs> you weren't going to win the gold medal of Hollywood. My sister's a great film director. Yeah. She also went to Hotchkiss, but I kind of chose a different path than her. Yeah. It sounds like it. Okay, so Dan, what's the tiniest hill you're willing to die on? So something really inconsequential that you would totally go to bat for. So I think the tiniest hill that I would want to die on mm-hmm. is when I, and this is one of the tiny hills, but yeah, and I think it's still important. And so we'll see if you agree with me, but <laughs> whenever I see office buildings that have tons of lights on in the middle of the night, basically, yeah. or at 10 p.m. I'm like thinking, isn't that bad for energy and climate change? Yeah. Are people working late at night? It's not the White House or the State Department. Right. It just, it like drives me up a wall. 
I just flew into DC last night and there's tons of lights of people's different homes, which is, you know, we have a civilization. So of course there's going to be tons of lights, but I don't think people should be wasteful in terms of office buildings late at night. Totally. Even if they're fluorescent, even if they're energy efficient, that doesn't, they're not nothing. Totally. And also it would seem that the business would want to protect their bottom line and not be wasteful in terms of their resources. Yeah, you would think that. And so I should ask some buildings expert why, what is going on? Yeah. Okay. One thought is, is it possible that there is some sort of motion sensitive setting and that when the cleaning crew comes through at night, they're, they're activating it? That could be the case, but we'd have to see kind of if at like 3 a.m., are the cleaning crews still working or yeah. like, you know, and also no one is really going into work as much these days. And so how much office is there to clean? That's, that's a good What's point. Out loud? That's a good point. Okay. Well, now, if I meet an office manager in the near future, I will tell you, I will report back if there, if thank I can you. get some, if I can get a scoop. Yeah. Thank you very much. Of that, course. That is, you'll, you'll, maybe you'll help save the environment. We just one fluorescent light bulb at a time. Okay, what three words would your closest friends or family use to describe you? Um, conscientious, hmm. loyal, mm-hmm. and fun. That's great. Wow, those are great words. I'm so lucky in my life that I get to do what I love that yeah. I would do without even getting paid. And so I just want to have a lot of fun and make an impact and difference at the same time. Absolutely. Have any of those three words changed over time? Or have you always been those three things? I think in high school and college, I was a little bit more, not sheltered, but just reserved. Mm. And I wasn't tapping into having the most fun because I was much more interested in the news and learning about politics, keeping up to date with current events. And so, and I didn't like drinking. I didn't like doing kind of the classic adolescent things, partying it up, chasing girls. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of missed out on the fun aspect. And so I'm kind of making up for that now. That's interesting. And I didn't have as many friends in, you know, in different parts of my life that I wanted. And so now I kind of want as many friends as I can. And of course, in DC, it helps your career when you collect friends and contacts and sources and acquaintances and good friends and, you know, weak ties. And so it all kind of adds up. And so Mm -hmm. it's beneficial to me to be in touch with lots of people. And so I think I'm kind of making up for lost time in different parts of my life. That's really interesting. I actually relate to that a lot on the point of making up for lost time. I think I used to take myself a lot more seriously. And I'm still very serious about things like my work, my friendships, but I think I take myself a lot less seriously than I used to. That's good. It's it's good to not, you know, it's good to be very serious about your work, but you can yes. be fun and serious at the same exactly. time. You can be a loyal friend and still, you know, be in touch. I don't, other pet peeves is when I like, sometimes I wish people happy birthday, they don't reply. And, <laughs> you know, not my best friends, but just people I know. Yeah. And, you know, I'm thinking like, well, unless they're getting like hundreds of birthday requests, maybe they sh- people should go through their phones more often, like every <laughs> couple of weeks to make sure that they haven't missed any texts. I do actually do that. I go through my phone because I miss texts sometimes. I will always respond. It's just sometimes it's like six days later. <laughs> well, that's okay. Everyone, you know, no one's perfect. <laughs> that's true. 
Have you ever injured yourself in an embarrassing way? Uh, I have. And it actually goes back to Hotchkiss. So oh, really? I was, it was eco day one year and I, we were pulling out honeysuckle in the woods, mm. you know, the invasive species. Yes. And I fell and broke my arm just by like falling down the hill a little oh, bit. Oh no. And you know, honeysuckle is not like, it's not like you're in Jurassic Park battling against um, <laughs> dinosaurs. This is really, I don't, I think I'm probably the only kid in the history of Hotchkiss Eco Day that's broken their arm this way. And so I had to go to the emergency room. And oh just, my God. Was I it Sharon Hospital? I think so. And so I was, you know, you got a cast and I think I just kind of brushed it off. And I didn't like people pointed out that uh, I had gotten this uh, accident. I was in this injury. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Uh, Not like I was, you know, winning the varsity <laughs> New England soccer yep. champion. Croquet and championship. Goal and, and got the goal. And this was a more of a kind of a, a face plant. Yep. I totally get that. I once fell in the woods. Of, we were, I don't remember why. I guess my friends and I were like, it was snowy. And so we wanted to go see how snowy the woods were. And I totally slipped and fell. And I hit my butt on like a log. And I had the biggest bruise I've ever had in my life. It hurt so much. It was truly unbelievable. Like on, so, your, on, on your my, butt. On my like, butt. Who, who like breaks their butt? They Me. <laughs> Me, Dan. <laughs> Me, yeah, no walkbacks. What's up? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, it was a real time. Have you ever been the last to realize something that everybody else seems to know? You know, there's a theater in my town in Massachusetts, and the marquee said for a couple months, new heat and AC coming soon. And <laughs> I thought that was a band that was coming for <laughs> Like weeks, I didn't oh even think God. about it. I was like, okay, that's an interesting band. Was, you know, coming soon. You think that's it's like, great. you know, the Beatles or like yeah. River, Justin Bieber's coming soon. Yeah, the Rolling uh, Stones, Justin Bieber, New Heat and AC. Yeah, maybe someone can start that band one day, one of our, our listeners. That's really funny. <laughs> okay, if you were kidnapped and you had the chance to communicate with your friends and family and needed to tip them off that something was wrong, what would you say? I'd probably say I hate journalism and I wish I was never a journalist. Mm, Maybe that would people would think, wait, that's not, that doesn't sound like Daniel. Good to know. Also, you say Daniel. I've been saying Dan the whole time. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay. It's all good. My dad and my, like some of my uh, family members call me Dan. Another pet peeve that I actually don't have, but my friend Nihal Krishan has is that he always wonders why do people sometimes call you Dan when you've never actually that that's yeah heard. you know people just kind of you know they have their pet nicknames for you so your friend has a pet peeve on your behalf i know he's a very good friend oh. so. <laughs> well uh, daniel i, I deeply apologize your, your apology and I'll, I'll take that under advice thank you <laughs> okay it's been submitted for review by the committee i can't wait to hear back it's been submitted for review to the disciplinary committee yes basically the yeah the dc the is DC. on your case Fabulous. Aside from Maslow's hierarchy of needs, so all the basics, what's something you couldn't go a day without? I don't think I could. Is is talking to people a, a part of that hierarchy? I think so. Like social okay. social stuff, but you social can also still say talking to people. I think you're probably talking to people. Mm. And if 
whenever on the weekend I don't have as many calls to sources unless it's emergency or unless it's um, kind of a time sensitive yeah. thing. Uh, but I just love hitting the phones and just talking to new people and, and learning from them and making new relationships. And so I think talking to people and also just reading the news, even if it's just headlines sometimes, if yeah. I don't have time or if I'm on vacation, I don't want to read every article. So I think looking at, there's actually three Twitter accounts. That's how I get my news. Oh, really? Uh, that's how I got some of my news. I, the rest I read on different websites, sure. homepages and stuff and, 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 you know, magazines I get. But I don't look at the newsfeed as much because it's there's so much out there and I follow so many accounts that I look at the three accounts I look at is yeah. Maggie Haberman, yep. from New York Times, Ben Smith, who's starting a new company called Semaphore. Okay. And, and then mine. Times. So I'm the third, obviously. Yeah, the big three, uh, as we're known. Me, no, no, no. It's, it's the big three. I know that. It's Maggie Haberman, Ben Smith, Alexis Gay. I mean, <laughs> this is well known. You, that is, you know, they actually sometimes retweet you. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, there we go. Maggie, I've seen Maggie oh, retweet you. What an elegant save! It was so beautiful. Okay, and also, and also, my former, my former boss, uh, Blake Hounshell. Oh, uh, okay, cool. Time. So these are all people who've worked at Politico, uh, and they just curate and aggregate the best news, and I can rely on them to uh, tell me what's going on. Wow. So, like, getting info on what's happening in the world and what's going on—that's like something that's super, super important to you. Yeah, I, I need to know what's going on in the world, or I can't do my job and also just would feel out of touch. I, yeah. like, I want to know what's going on in Ukraine. I want to know yeah. every, you know, I even, I look at the arts section of the New York Times website. My girlfriend's a, an artist. Oh yeah, and wonderful so, artist. Yeah, and she's very talented. And so I, you know, want to know more about her world, obviously. Mm-hmm. And she wants to know about my world. And so I kind of try to cover everything, even if I can't read, read every article, I want to, know just kind of what the landscape looks like. Totally. That makes a ton of sense. So then do you ever go fully unplugged? Do you ever go camping or somewhere where you can't get cell service? I have not uh, really done that in, um, you know, ever since I got a smartphone. Yeah. Like, what do you think the longest stretch of time is that you've uh, gone uh, without some kind of a network connectivity? Probably like long flights and stuff. Okay. Where it's like six hours and there's no Wi-Fi. Yeah. I try to be like, responsive to people and if i went a whole week without you know i don't think i've ever said an out of office auto reply like if i went a whole week without looking at my phone there would i'd get there'd be hundreds of messages and yeah. i would just would be i and a lot of them would be out of date by the time yeah, so, so true like, i kind of i like being able to you know even when i'm on vacation i i still will you know forward stuff that i need to forward but i'm not I'm not like writing, I'm not starting on new articles when I'm yeah. on vacation. A, okay, that makes sense. Messages. Right, exactly. <laughs> okay, what chapter of your life do you think would make the best movie plot? So one chapter was after college, it took me a couple of years to get a full-time job. Mm-hmm. So I was doing some internships. And so I went to the Turkish-Syrian border to cover the war there mm. and almost like died basically oh uh, uh, in the capital Istanbul because I didn't look left and right. And there's a streetcar that goes really fast. And I like just jumped out of the way. And so I'm like, you know, I 
don't like go all the way there and you're not even at the war zone. Oh my and God. You get like, you know, crushed by a, a train. I'm like, <gasps> that would not be a great way to go. It's like, you didn't even get an article out of it. So it's oh my like, God, Daniel. So that an article out of it. So you know, oh I didn't die God. in glory. I just died of, I would have died of stupidity. Yes. Uh, and then when I was uh, on the Turkish Syrian border, the one I did interesting articles, but I also, since I didn't have a press pass because the Turks, uh, I applied for one and the, but the Turks don't uh, process them very quickly. And so I just used a, an expired Senate press pass. This was way before Politico. And so obviously they're not, uh, they would never, urge people to do this of or course, authorize but i just put it on my neck and i kind of had it it's not like i was like using it for yeah. anything i was just like you want to look official and so my interpreter and i were on the, the hill that separates turkey from syria hmm. and there's a metal yeah. fence and i wanted to just like touch the the fence and get a, a picture and yeah. you know so i did that but then i saw a turkish military jeep driving at the bottom of the hill on a road oh and, gosh, you know, maybe gosh. like a hundred feet away. And so they, I don't look Turkish, yeah. even though some Turks are, have blue eyes and they look mm-hmm. pretty Western because they're from the Caucasus and, you know, Caucasian mm-hmm, comes mm-hmm. from that originally. And so um, they're not just, you know, dark skinned, uh, brown eyed people. And so, and so we had to run for maybe like three minutes back to our cars once we saw them, because, we just didn't, I didn't want to like go oh, get wow. arrested and just, uh, you know, I didn't, I wasn't doing anything wrong. I was, you know, just trying to lie low and, uh, but you don't want to have to explain. No, I was on a tourist visa and yet I'm like, not, I wasn't there for tourism. Yeah. So I was trying to work. Wow. Okay. So that's a high stakes situation. So it sounds so, like that whole part of your life could make for a really interesting movie. That's, that's the hope. And so one day, uh, it, you know, we'll we'll see what happens. Amazing. If in that, I don't. I need to maybe go back and do more war reporting to get more stories like that. Well, I think that we should open the film on the streetcar incident because I think that it would set the tone in an interesting way. I think that sounds good. And so, do, do we do we have any ideas of who would play me? Well, I was going to ask you. What do you think? I was thinking uh, Brad Pitt. Brad. <laughs> yeah. Do you he, think he doesn't really look like me? He's a great actor. Yeah, I, I, I'm welcome to. I'm Daniel at Politico.com. If anyone has any recommendations of who should play me, or if, or if they want to get any news out there. Okay, I have. <laughs> okay, plug, Alexis, yeah, sorry. I was just gonna say, don't think I didn't notice you slide that right in. I have, I have a recommendation of someone who I think actually could play you and do a really good job. Uh, he was on. Did you watch Westworld? Oh no, I didn't. Oh, okay. He's in Westworld. He was also on It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> he's got he's got a lot oh, of rage really? yeah his name is oh, jimmy simpson and he's an okay. absolutely incredible actor and he has tons of range and also i think that your facial features are similar enough though his hair is swooped on the different on a on the other side i've also gotten a couple times win butler who is uh one of the co-founders of arcade fire and so people have said Ooh. i look like so I, I could see that too i don't know i wonder if he acts maybe they'll do the soundtrack oh yeah that's true there oh my go. God, wait, that would be so epic. A lot of singers act because I guess a, a, a new revenue stream. Yeah, that's true. But I kind of love this idea. It's Jimmy Simpson playing you and then the soundtrack is Arcade Fire, but the movie takes place during your war reporting in Istanbul. And they can, uh, and, and, you know, Eastern uh, Turkey, they can yes. like 
kind of they can battle it out to see who wants to play me. Okay. <laughs> that sounds great. Daniel, we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be right back. This episode of Non-Technical is still brought to you by Bets Recruiting. Grab your popcorn and put your phones on silent because we're just getting started with our summer bets blockbuster. The return of bets recruiting. Two bets, two furious. Tagline, this time, all bets are on. If your professional life right now was a movie, what kind of character arc would we be working with? Are you struggling to find the one? And by that, I mean a perfect go-to-market hire. Do you need to take off your glasses and let your hair down in order for the world to see what your resume really has to offer? Or are you simply in search of adventure, curious about the career paths less traveled? Whatever your movie arc, Bets Recruiting is ready to be your best supporting actor. Or should I say, your best supporting actor. I shouldn't, but I did. If you're hiring go-to-market talent or you are go-to-market talent, check out betsrecruiting.com slash non-technical. And we're back with Daniel Lipman, a reporter covering the White House and Washington at Politico. Daniel Lipman, we've arrived at a very exciting moment in this episode of Non-Technical. Are you ready? I'm ready. What is this, like the rapid fire question? Yes, the lightning round. Wow, you nailed it. Uh, Not your first interview. (laughs) Okay, first question for you. Coffee or tea? Tea. Really? Actually, actually chai, iced chai latte with oat milk. Oh my god! That's oh my! Like a, what an order! That's amazing. That sounds I, I so delicious. I kind of want that. I want like a iced chai tea station at my like wet my you know if I you know if I get married. If your wedding at your wedding is that what you're gonna yes, say? at a future wedding if I get married then I want an iced chai you know. You should. Uh, that sounds delicious. I know. Yeah, I think it would be a hit. People love that. Oh, people, people would love, absolutely love chai. that. Yeah. If I showed up to a wedding and there was an iced chai oat milk latte situation, I mean, I'd be thrilled. Yeah, people will, people will remember It'll that. be memorable. People will talk about it. That's true. Okay, so do you drink coffee at all or no? Uh, no, but I sometimes drink espresso once in a while if I'm trying to stay awake. Yeah. I don't want to, you know, fall asleep during having dinner with people who that I would be embarrassed to do that. Yes, exactly. I feel like we may have talked about this before, but do you like historically not sleep a lot? Is that something I remember? Uh, When I worked on Playbook, I would wake up at like 3.30, 4 a.m. every morning. And so I kind of, if you have to rely on coffee, then you'll have to drink lots of coffee throughout the day. And so I just never, I just kind of- Okay, that's what I thought. I'm an adrenaline, that's my coffee. That is such a wild time to be awake, but uh, I support you and great job. Thank you. Do you have a favorite board game? Uh, Monopoly. Really? Yeah, I like. Uh, I haven't played in a while. Me neither. But I just thought it was fun, and it's you know you get to kind of act out everyone's capitalist fantasies of <laughs> passing the jail. Isn't there a jail in there? Yes. Go jump past, go collect two hundred dollars. So you know, I think we should bring board. There's actually game. You know, there's a a place in DC called the boardroom and Mm. people just play lots of board games. I think people go on like lots of dates there. That's a fun date idea. That's cool. I like that. Actually, someone did in New York once take me on a date to a place like that. Oh, really? Yeah. How was it different? It was like, it was like a place where they had lots of games and you could just like meet new people or you could play these games with the person you came with, but you paid to like get in versus paying to buy the game. I've always wanted to try an escape room. Oh, you've never done it? It's fun. Never done it. 
after we play croquet, we can do an escape room. I would honestly be down. I'm super down. I'm going to bring the croquet. You're know, going to incorporate some elements of croquet in it. Yeah, perfect. I love that. Have you ever read a book twice? Uh, yes. Which book? I think I've read some of the early Harry Potter books twice. Yeah. And maybe, oh yeah, Into Thin Air I read twice. The, really? Uh, you Is know, that Everest by John Krakauer. John Krakauer? Yeah. Okay, cool. And do you have a pump-up song? Uh, my current song that I listen to is called Take My Breath by The Weeknd. Oh, okay. And is that like a song that gets you energized? Uh, yeah, it's like kind of, yeah, it gets me excited and to take on the day. And then also just kind of, if I'm doing tasks that are not as, you know, we all have kind of administrative tasks, you have your expenses yep, sometimes, yep. you have to kind of answer emails that don't require too much thought. And so sometimes I'll just put that on and then YouTube, just like the formula just goes from one song to the next. Yeah. So we're off the races. Did you have a specific alarm clock song when you had to wake up at three 30 in the morning? I actually did not use alarm clock most of the time to wake up at that hour. What? How did you get up? I just would wake up. Norm- I know. Normally. What? Cause I, I just didn't need much sleep. I would just go to bed at like 10 PM and wake uh, up and your body was like, Ah, three thirty in the morning. Time to take on the day. Well, I think the way I I rationalized that I was informing important people that were making decisions for the country that mattered, and so it didn't. I I think in the latter part, in the last you know year or six months, I would just have it on as a backup, but I would almost always wake up before that. Wow! So. So you think your body knew that you were disseminating important news? Yeah, I think you can kind of train your body to, if that's your routine, then yeah. Yeah. You know, I was just excited to go into the day. That's amazing. That's a great feeling. Okay, I'm sad to say that this is my last question, but what would you title your memoir? Um, I would title my memoir probably Truth. Ooh, Ooh a one-word, a one-word memoir title. Very cool. I think I don't know if that's, hopefully no one steals that uh, title now. (laughs) I'm sure that even if somebody has already written a book called Truth, that yours will sweep them under the table with your bestseller list status. Hopefully. I see it. That's the truth. Yes, that's very, you know, it's just have those big, big letters out there. Truth by Daniel Lippman. Parentheses, not Dan. You could call it not Dan. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't think that's a good idea. Okay. I don't think it was, <laughs> you try that. You can write that. You can write a book that way and you can, you can uh, you know, give it a shot. Okay, cool. I'll take on that. You take on the memoir. Daniel Lippman, thank you so much for joining me on non-technical. Thank you so much, Alexis. It was so much fun. I know this was great. Where can people find more about you and your fabulous reporting? So I'm on Twitter at D Lippman, D-L-I-P-P as in Peter M-A-N. And you can also just Google my name and the Politico bio page pops up where you can put in your email address to subscribe to my articles. Highly recommend. And you can find me at Yay Alexis Gay on Twitter and Instagram or at non-technicalpod on Twitter. One more time, Daniel. Thank you so, so, so much. And I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Alexis. Have a good day. Bye. 